0: in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. If you have your Bible with you today, I'm going to ask that you kind of keep your hand uh, on it. Uh, We're going to flip and look at some scriptures this morning that I think will be really helpful. I titled this morning's message, The Progression of Sin, The Progression of Sin. So if you'll look with me, starting in verse 13, we'll read on through verse 15. The Bible says in verse 13 of James chapter 1, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You may be seated. I share with you this morning that every man, woman, and child are tempted in this life, and we find in the Scriptures power to overcome temptation to sin power to overcome temptation to sin. Here's the thing. You must learn the source and the consequences of going into temptation. And there's a price to be paid for sin. What the Bible teaches us is Jesus Christ paid that penalty on the cross at Calvary. But there are sins still present even in the life of saved people. We sing a song called, Only a Sinner Saved by what? Grace. Grace. We're all sinners, but we're saved by grace. And, uh, And you think about this. You can uh, find the power to overcome temptation in your life by turning to truth in the Bible. And here's the thing, not just knowing the truth, for example, the verse that Brother Chris is getting us to learn this month, Ephesians 3.20, it's not just about knowing that verse. It is about being able to take the Word of God and putting it into practice as well. And so whenever you read the Bible, the Bible is not just meant to be read. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be disshamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but the Bible also teaches us the responsibility that we have to take the word of God and put it into practice. It's not something that we just hear. Uh, not to be hearers only. Uh, if you're a hearer only, James says you do something to yourself. What do you do to yourself if I'm just a hearer? I deceive myself, don't I? So the Bible teaches us that there's a responsibility that we have to act upon the word of God. Not just to know what it says, but to take it and put it into practice. And so be mindful of the progression of sin in your life, because you must consider what uh, is being demonstrated to the next generation. Here's the thing. Things that seem minor to us as sin can progress and get worse as our children or neighbors or friends or folks that we're related to see that sin in our lives. Sin progresses. And I'm going to show you scripturally that this is true. And we'll see how sin progresses. Now, here's the thing. I was a rock and roller. I wore my hair down to here. Most of you can't see it. I stood in the front row of concerts over and over again. I drank. I smoked. I did all of those things. And I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm telling you to tell you that God saved me from that. Amen? Now, here's the thing. All those things that I did can still draw me back into my past. One of the things that I find is if I go to Lowe's or Menards or some store or some grocery store, always playing in the background is music. Music was my downfall. I was always tied to it in a lot of ways. Now, after I got saved, uh, the Bible uh, shared a number of things with me about letting go of the world and being separated from some of those things. But also, I read a hymn and it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I believe that. How many of you believe that this morning? When you look upon Christ, the things of the world grow strangely dim. Now, why am I sharing my testimony with you? Because there is a progression to sin. Here's the thing. I've tried to walk away from that rock and roll life and all the stuff that it had, and and there are times where the devil tempts me to go back into that. Wait a minute, you're the pastor. The devil tempts your pastor. How many of you know that? I'm tempted just like everybody else in this room. And so the temptation comes, all i got to do is go to Lowe's or Menards and it doesn't take long before I start thinking about songs from the past that draw me back into a life and a lifestyle that I don't desire and I don't want to be there anymore. And so those things kind of draw me back, but I believe we have to be mindful of the progression of sin. Now, are you using the power of the Word of God to conquer the desire to sin? Are you using the power of the Word of God to conquer the desire to sin? By the way, the desire is there. (laughs) And it lives in all of us. And we have to use God's Word to overcome it. Now, you're given the ability to triumph over temptation and sin by the Word of God. And here's the thing about sin. Sin separates man from God. If you go to the Garden of Eden, we see that separation take place in the Garden of Eden, don't we? When Adam sinned, man was separated from God at that moment. And so we see that in the Bible. Not only do we see that, we're taught lessons about its nature and then the remedy. So is there a cause for sin? Yes, there is a cause. (laughs) Is there a progression to sin? Yes, there is a progression to sin. But I also want you to know there's a cure. Amen? There's a cure in the Scriptures. There is a cure to sin, to the sin nature and to the sins that we commit every day. There's a cure, and the Bible teaches us what those are. Now, I want you to think about the cause of sin. We're here in James, in verses 13 through 15, and to tempt is to entice. When you look at this, let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Tempted is to be enticed. And so, uh, never say that God enticed you to do evil, uh, he will allow you to be tested, by the way, and, and I can prove that according to the Scriptures. All you have to do is go look at the life of Job, and Job was tested, was he not? But here's the thing. God allows us to be tested, but he does not tempt us with evil. And what happens is, is we are drawn away of our own lust, which causes us to do this. So God made the serpent, but there was a choice made, both on the part of the serpent and on the part of Eve that day. And I think whenever you go into the Garden of Eden, we see that initial sin take place. And that first sin takes place. And what happened was, God commanded Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so there was a tree planted in the middle of the garden. It was a tree of life. And here God planted this thing. And he said, now listen, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're not to eat of that tree. And yet Adam knew that, and when you go and you read it, everybody says, well, wasn't it Eve that went up to the tree? It was, but who did God give the command to? He gave it to Adam, didn't he? Adam, and the Bible clearly teaches us this, when Eve was there, Adam stood there and watched her do this. Now I want to tell you something so wonderful about my Savior. (laughs) He is the bridegroom and we are the bride. The bridegroom wants to protect me from the sin, doesn't he? And what did Adam do? He stood there and watched his wife do what was wrong. Because it says in that passage that he also took or partook of the fruit, right? We see it happen. Here's the thing that initial sin that took place, you say, You mean to tell me that sin entered into the world because Adam took a bite of fruit? Nope. Sin entered into the world because Adam disobeyed God. Are you with me? It wasn't about taking a bite of fruit. It was about disobeying God. And so that initial sin, that sin that I'm telling you about, that is that sin nature. And By the way, in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 12, that sin is passed down to every person. The Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. That word death is that spiritual separation from God. Sin entered into the world that way. And so there's this initial sin that took place. Now, what is the cause of sin? That initial sin. That's the cause of sin. People have asked me, Why do people have heart attacks? Sin entered into the world. Why do we have hurricanes? Sin entered into the world. Why do we see children die? Sin entered into the world. Why do we see children murder their parents? By the way, that just happened down in Fauquier County down there, James. Uh, A guy over in Fredericksburg, uh, 17 years old, just killed his parents. Why did that happen? Sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. What is the cause of sin? The cause of sin is when great-grandpa Adam disobeyed God. sin entered into the world. That's the cause. It entered into the world. Now, the Lord does not and cannot have any desire to do wrong. Therefore, he will not tempt any man or woman to do wrong. So then the Lord makes it clear what draws a man away from doing right is his own lust. Look at this. He says in this verse, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own, what? Lust and enticed. It's whenever we're drawn away of our own, what is it, folks? You can say the word. Our own lust. The things that we desire. Things that go against what God tells us to do. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. In Psalm 1, 1 through 6, you can go in there. If sinners entice thee, do what? Consent thou not. We need to not consent to sinners. We need not to give in to the temptation of thing. We have choices, and the choices that we make will be biblical, or they're going to be flesh-driven. They're going to go with God's word, or they're going to go against God's word. One of two things are going to happen. And so, if they're flesh-driven, what happens is, is whenever the temptation is presented to me, then I enter into it. And by the way, temptation is just simply that until you enter into it. Then it becomes sin. Remember, Jesus said, pray that ye enter not into what? Temptation. Temptation. You see, when you enter into it, it leads you to sin. <laughs> and so he even tells us to be careful about that. In Proverbs 1.10, my son, if sinners entice thee to what? Consent thou what? Not don't give in to it. Now, I am a sinner. <laughs> and sometimes I talk to myself. And I'm enticed. And I'm drawn away of my own what? Lust. I can do that to myself. I can talk to myself. And I can say it's not a big deal. It doesn't really matter. Nobody knows. Nobody sees. Nobody cares. Yet, I have to have the character saying, God tells us that we're drawn away by our own lusts. So I have to be careful what I'm talking to myself about. This is the reason you must teach the next generation that it's not another person that's caused their behavior, but their choice. You know we have a problem in society today. How many of you know we have a real problem today? Do you know what our real problem is? We're always looking for somebody else to blame. Right? Are we not trying to put it off on someone else all the time? The reason I am the way that I am is because, and I have a reason, I have somebody, some situation, some circumstances, Somebody did something to me one time, therefore I am, because they did. And do you know that really still comes down to a choice? I choose what I want to do. I make choices every day. And here's the thing. If I'm walking with God and reading His Word, I have a choice. I can either choose to do what the Word of God says, or I can choose to do what my flesh desires to do. And what I'm sharing with you is, This cause of sin goes back to that original sin in the Garden of Eden. And whenever I am enticed, I need to try to move away from it. It's your own longing to be involved with what's forbidden. And those actions follow sometimes. And what happens is, is we never want to admit to ourselves that we want to entertain ourselves with those things that are forbidden. And yet the Bible teaches us we have a desire to do so. Why did James have this written? (laughs) Why did God have James write this down on a sheet of paper? Because of our own lust. We're enticed at times. Let me read some verses to you. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? (laughs) You know, he says, God forbid that we would do that. That word, that that phrase, God forbid, is to perish the thought. It's where we get the word mortician from. It's to put to death. (laughs) And he said, God forbid that we would do that. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Let me tell you something. Grace doesn't abound by you sinning. Grace abounds by you being a servant of Christ and obeying. And it comes through doing what is right, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If I'm dead to self, I have no longer a desire to sin. I have to die to self, though. I have to choose not to do those things. Now, you can find the power to overcome temptation in your life by turning to truth in the Bible, putting them into practice. I, I love the verse in, in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. How many of you know that? I mean, I use it often because I think it's just so clear. <laughs> there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Do you know temptation is common? Everybody's tempted. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to who? Man, everybody's tempted. So here it is. But God is faithful, isn't he? Can we just say amen to God's faithful? He is, isn't he? God is faithful. Now listen, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able? In other words, God lets those tests enter into your life... (laughs) But he's not going to let more come in than you can handle. What? He's not going to let more come in than you can handle. God is never going to allow more to come in than you can handle. Temptation's common, but God is faithful. And he's not going to allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But listen to me. But with that temptation, also make a way to escape. Also make a way to what? Go ahead and say it with me. Also make a way to what? You can get out of it. That ye may be able to bear it. God says, I'm going to give you a way out. His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He'll get you out of it. But my own lust causes me to not want to get out of them, underneath of it, and I'm enticed and I walk into it. What could that be? Anger? Lying? Stealing? Threatening? Hating? Are you with me? It doesn't matter what it is. I'm tempted, but he'll never allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but he'll make a way to escape. Now you have a choice, and you choose whether you're going to enter into it or not. So you can find the power that you need. The desire to do wrong is first conceived or given birth in your mind or pondering on it or thinking about it. Uh, Last night, (laughs) I stopped. It was late. Michael... Uh, windshield wiper's working on his car. So there's a little device on there, and it's made out of like this hard plastic or whatever. So I stopped. The only place that I could stop was at a marathon station on the way home, and they had this epoxy there. And I thought, well, that epoxy will work. And so I got it, and I went home, and I opened it up. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going to put this epoxy on this part so that it'll fit back together, and we can put it back on there and get his windshield wipers working for him again. And I got home and has this ever happened to you? And you opened the package and I took the the epoxy out and I squirted it in there and then I had the resin and I went like this and nothing would come out. <laughs> and I took something, I poked it up in there, and I squeezed again and nothing would come out. Took a pair of scissors, cut the bottom of it, it felt a little bit softer at the bottom. I squeezed it in and went boom. It's like a solid rock. Let me tell you what I started to do to myself. That stupid marathon station. Those people probably knew this package was already outdated. I just didn't look at it. Who would hang a package, Miss Carol, up that they knew was expired so that someone would come in and spend that much money on something that they knew that I needed, and I needed to get this done tonight? What am I doing to myself? Talking to myself, aren't I? By the time I got to that marathon station, Brother Daryl, I was ready to take that guy's head off, and he hadn't done a thing. I walked in, and I said, this thing is as hard as a rock. He said, go grab another one. (laughs) I was so firing mad by the time I got in there. And I was like, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. You know, I had to drive all the way home, Mr. Daryl. I had all this set up. I had it all going for me. And, 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 And then I had to put it all back in the car. I had to find the receipt, and I had to go all the way back out to the marathon station. And I had to... Here, you can have another one. Anybody ever done that to themselves? I am the only sinner in this room. (laughs) I'm telling you, I do that stuff sometimes. Right, Terry? We do it, don't we? We just get upset sometimes. And the guy was so nice. He said, just grab another package, (laughs) Terry. I was like, that's right, I'm taking another package. Don't you dare stop me either. No, they're right over there. (laughs) And we get that way, don't we? The desire to do wrong is conceived where? Where is it conceived? Right up here, isn't it? How many of us talk to ourselves way too much? Anybody on board? We get inside our own head sometimes, and I'm thinking, man, that cage is rattling, (laughs) and I need to get out of there. Because that's where sin starts, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? It's right up in here. And we get to that place. To conceive is to form or devise a plan or an idea in the mind or to form a mental representation or an image of a desire. Temptation is simply just that. And what it is is that we conjure these things up in our mind and then all of a sudden we step out and we give birth. (laughs) To what? What do we give birth to? We get birth to it. By the way, you birth it. (laughs) You're the one that brings it forth. And he tells us, but God is faithful, isn't he? He's not going to suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. He'll give you a way out. But we birth that stuff. When sin has its way. It comes with terrible consequences, folks. And the Bible says, when sin is consummated, it brings forth that which is deadly or death itself. Proverbs fourteen twelve: There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Yeah. Death. Let me share something with you. I was sharing this with the Sunday school class, too. So many people get so angry because you tell them the only way to get into heaven is Jesus Christ. That upsets people. You see, your works can't get you to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. You cannot get into heaven because you go to church or you pray or you read your Bible or you study your Bible. You can't get into heaven because you do any of those things. You don't get into heaven because you were baptized. (laughs) You don't get into heaven because your name is on a church roll or that you attend church on a regular basis. None of that stuff gets you into heaven. Here's the problem people have, and this is the truth, folks. Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by... That bothers people. I want to do something that merits me getting in. I have to have some fringe things that I do that that merits me getting in. And yet, there's nothing going to get you into heaven but Jesus Christ. Amen. When I I look at this, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? There is a way that man thinks that he's going to get into heaven, but the end of that is death. If I do not trust Jesus Christ to take my soul to heaven, I cannot enter into heaven. I cannot avoid what the Bible says. And by the way, that's sin defeating you. Now I want to talk about the progression of sin. And I want to do this pretty rapidly, but I have some verses that I want to give to you, and I want to show you something. I've already told you about Adam in the Bible, have I not? Now, I want you to think about this. From the time Adam and Eve sinned, in 1,600 years, I want to tell you what happened to the nation, to the world as a whole, okay? In less than 1,600 years, from what Adam did, till the time of the days of Noah. Just consider this for just a moment, okay? Let me read a couple of things to you. What we find here in the book of Genesis is interesting. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. I want you to look at this verse with me, okay? Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Chapter 3 is where we're going. Everybody with me say amen. Look at verse 1. Chapter 3, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. By the way, God never said you can't touch it. Subtle isn't it? God never said she couldn't touch it. God just simply said she couldn't what? Eat of it. <laughs> the devil's a liar, isn't he? Now watch this. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. What's he getting her to do now? Do you know Satan wants you to doubt God? <laughs> he wants you to doubt that Jesus is going to take you to heaven? Satan wants you to doubt God. And he wanted Eve to doubt what God had said. Surely you won't die. <laughs> and he goes on and he says, For God doth know that in the day that thou eatest thereof, or eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You see, God's holding you back from something. How many young kids sin because they think their parents are holding them back from something? And they go and get involved in stuff because they think the parents are trying to hold them back from something. And the reality is, is we're really looking out for them. Now watch what Eve does. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes of the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Her husband was where? He was with her, wasn't he? He was right there with her. Now I want you to notice there's a progression to this thing because she walked up after Satan had tempted her And God will not tempt you above that you are able, but also make a way to what? Escape. There's a way out of this. And she walks up, she sees the tree, and she says, it's a tree to be desired, right? You look at this tree, and the woman saw that it was good for what? Food. She looked at it and thought, I could feed my family with that tree. What did God tell her to do? Don't eat of the tree, right? What is the first thing she thought of when she looked at that tree? Help me out. What is the first thing she thought of when she looked at that tree? Food. Food for me and my family. Food for me and Adam. The very first thing that God said, don't eat of, she looked at it and thought it's good for food. It'll meet a physical need. And it's a tree to be desired. (laughs) And she looked at it and now, what's happening to her? Man, it smells good. It looks good. And it's a tree to be what? Lust is starting to enter in. Are you with me? And then what happens? And, and she looks at it and she says, There's food. It's pleasant to the eyes. And notice this if I eat this, it'll make me smarter. And all that happened is a progression. Are you with me? She progressed from one to the next. And then her husband ate it too. Now why did man enter into sin? Right here, this happened this day. The world was plunged into sin that day. And so we see this. And so in verse 9, look at it with me. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto Adam and said unto him, What is the phrase? Where art thou? He's looking for who? He's looking for Adam. Why is he looking for Adam? Why didn't he say, where are you, Eve? <laughs> he wanted to know where who was. Adam. He knew what happened, right? And Adam had disappeared. And then Eve, in verse 13, look at this. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is that that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. You notice, go back to verse 12. Here's Adam down here. After verse 9, he says, where are you? Adam tells him, look, we, we realized." Uh, that we were naked, we'd eaten of the tree. And in verse 12, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. What is that called? It is somebody else's fault for what I did. God, you gave me that woman. And it caused me to sin. Who did he blame? He blamed God. We always... What to blame someone else for the things we do. I am that way because, because my parents were like this or because my cousin was like this or because I lived here or I lived in this part of the country or I'm Irish or I'm Jewish or I'm German or I'm something. And so because of those things, I am this way. Somebody's at fault, not me. It couldn't be me. It has to be somebody outside of me that's creating this environment for me and somebody's at fault, but God, it isn't me, it's you. And the woman said, Lord, it's not me, it's that serpent. God went straight to the serpent and he said in verse 14, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this thing. So he judged him immediately. He didn't even ask him, did he? He immediately brought judgment to the serpent, but I want you to know this one thing. God gave both Adam and Eve a way to escape, and they didn't do it. But they looked to blame others. So what happens? Well, the serpent gets there. And so what's the next sin that comes onto the scene? We go to murder next. We go from taking a bite of fruit off of a tree to murder And we see Cain kill his brother. Preacher, why do people kill each other? Sin entered into the world. God showed us that in scriptures, didn't he? So we see Cain do this thing in Genesis 4, 9 and 10. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. What did you do, Cain? I hear his blood screaming from the ground because of what you did. We went from disobeying God to murdering somebody now. (laughs) Then there's Lamech. How many of you know who Lamech is? Lamech was mad because he said, hey, Cain got away with this thing. So Lamech went out and murdered somebody too. And Lamech's attitude was arrogance toward God. If they can do it. I can do it too. If Cain can get away with this, me, more so. Seventy-fold, I'll get away with it. That's who Lamech is. Lamech in that line, in that family. So we go from them eating this fruit to murder and now arrogance against God, isn't it? I can do whatever I want. Here's Lamech's words. And Lamech said unto his wives, Aden, Zillah, hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. He's snubbing his nose at God now, isn't he? You're not going to do anything to me. Where do we go from there? Well, I'm grateful in the middle of all this. How many of you remember a man named Enoch? You know, I think in the middle of all this, God says, hey, listen, I want you to know there's hope. Amen. In the middle of all this, a guy named Enoch shows up, and this says it about Enoch, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, and God took him. (laughs) Amen. You know what that reminds me of? The rapture's coming. (laughs) Amen. And I'm out of here one day. Amen. And whether I be in the grave or I stand here preaching to you now when that rapture occurs, God's going to take me out of (laughs) here. Amen. I can equate to what's going on in Enoch's life. I praise the Lord for that because I know I'm out of here if, if something happens. In the middle of it all, God said, here's hope in Genesis five twenty four. So where is man in the midst of all of this? We're going from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6. Here, God says in Genesis 6, 5, and 7, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil, only evil continually. We went from disobeying God <laughs> to murder to arrogance to all of mankind being what? Evil continually except for Noah and his family. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And we get to this time where man was evil continually. (laughs) Terry, that was 1,600 years from the time Adam took a bite of that fruit till mankind fell and was destroyed. That's not a long time. And you look at this, and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them, but knoweth on grace. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you what God gives to everyone that will trust Jesus Christ as Savior, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a what? Gift of God, not of works. And Noah found what in the eyes of the Lord? He found grace, didn't he? Thank God for Jesus Christ, amen? Thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ, amen? And I look to this and I see Noah. And so then what is sin's result? Well, it says, uh, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And in Genesis seven ten, by the time I get there, and it came to pass after seven days, that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. (laughs) The earth was then what? Destroyed, wasn't it? 1,600 years, basically. From the time of Adam to the time God destroyed the earth. And it started because man was enticed and drawn away of his own what? Lust. And sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men. For how many have sinned? All have sinned. But God commended his love toward us. <laughs> and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Amen? Amen? Isn't that exciting? Amen. Jesus Christ died for us. Oh, that's the grace of God, isn't it? That's the grace of God. And it's offered to you and me. So what we find here. In our lives, that there's a progression to sin as we ignore its consequences, understand it comes with a price. And believe me, folks, it doesn't seem like a big deal at first. Uh, You know what? I walked out of the store. I forgot to pay for this. Ain't no big deal. Yeah, I know it says uh, ownership of the U.S. government, but it's no big deal. It's just a pen. Did you see that lady? She has money sticking out of her back pocket. I'm just going to slip it. She ain't going to miss it. By the way, that happened to Michael and I the other day. She had a whole wad of money just hanging out of her pocket. It was about to fall on the ground. And I was going, wait for it? Wait? No. (laughs) I said, hey, I said you better grab your cash. I said, it's about to fall out of your pocket. No way. Oh yeah, way. <laughs> and here's the thing. We just slip a little bit of a time, right? Just a little bit of a time. Sunday school's not important. That's okay. I don't have to go to Sunday school. I'll go every other week. I, I know the Bible says that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves, but I'm only going to miss a couple of Sundays. I've got some ball games i got to hit. I'll tell you what, I'll go Sunday morning, but I'm not going to Sunday school on Sunday night because i got other things i got planned. I've got some other things I've got planned. Just a little bit at a time. Before long, You're just not here. Because I don't think I need it anymore. Progression, are you with me? How long is it going to take for you to move from one position to another position? You said 1,600 years, isn't that what you said? (laughs) I'll be dead before then. doesn't take long to move from one position to another, does it? Where do we start with our sin? Where does it start? Where does it start? Right in here, doesn't it? And we just progressively go away from Disobedience to God plunged mankind into a sinful spiral is what happened. And the last thing I want you to know, I thank God for this. The Lord provides the remedy. The Lord provides the remedy. Turn back to James. I want you to go to chapter 4. I'm going to read a few verses to you. And then we'll finish with this, okay? James chapter four. Look at verse six. The Bible says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the whom? Who does he give grace to? To the humble. Notice this now. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. If Eve that day had resisted, (laughs) what might have happened? The story would be different, wouldn't it? If Eve had resisted. Here's the thing. God says it takes a heart of humility, not pride, to be able to submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil. To be able to resist the devil, it takes a heart of humility because I have to submit myself to God. And he says this. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. If you draw closer to God, God draws closer to you. God does not separate himself. Terry, come here. Hurry up, man. Run. You got your Nikes on? You want to be the sinner of God? I want to be the sinner. Okay, come on. here. He doesn't want to be the sinner today. So we're going to put him right here in the middle. So, Terry's God. Okay. Now, God said, Draw nigh unto me, and I'll do what? Draw nigh, Draw nigh unto you. you. Right? Now, watch this, Terry. That just says, you know, ownership of the U.S. government. It's only a pen, it's not a big deal. Hey, she dropped that money. That's her problem, not mine. You going with me? you know i'm just I'm just going to tell him I'm sick. I don't care what he thinks. <laughs> Sunday school's no big deal. One service a week that's good for anybody, especially with pastor warning preaching. <laughs> What's happening to me? Has God moved one movement? Where's God? Still He's still waiting on who? He says, draw nigh unto God and he'll do what? Amen. So I say, you know what? I need to be engaged while the preaching's going on. Amen. Amen. Right? You know what? I'm, I'm going to go to work. I don't need to call off. You know what? Let me get this money back to that lady. Sunday school is important. I need to be there. You know, this pencil isn't mine, it belongs to someone else. Are you with me? Draw nigh unto God and He'll do what? Is He moving? Who moves away from God? We do. He said, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the whom? What will He do? He'll flee from you. He'll get away from you. He never said get into a fist fight with him. He never said argue with him. He never said yell at him, scream at him, do any of that thing. He said simply do what? Resist him. Appreciate you, man. Here we go. He says, draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto you. Now, there's some things, some conditions that he lays down. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. He's not talking about getting soap and just washing your hands. (laughs) He said, cleanse your hands, ye you sinners, and purify ye hearts, ye double what? Minded. What did I just tell you? Where does sin start? Go ahead and say it. Where does sin start? In the mind. I start thinking different than what God said. <laughs> that is a double-minded person. Are you with me? I know God said this, but, right? He said, <laughs> you know, I know God said, no, but it- it's-, it's a tree to be desired, isn't it? I mean, it's good for food, isn't it? What am I doing? I'm becoming a double-minded what? Man, I become unstable in all my ways. And so Satan is hard at work. And consider the falling away of the Christian, the family experiencing hardships, financial problems, physical problems, spiritual heartaches. And the devil wants you further away from God and he wants to discourage you more than anybody. And he does not want you to even hear the message that I'm preaching this morning. He doesn't want you to hear it. He wants you to shut down. The word submit is a heart of humility. He's saying have a heart of humility. When you submit yourself to God, God keeps you out of harm's way. It's like an umbrella of protection. And Satan, by the way, folks, is very crafty. How many of you know that? And he is. And when I read the Bible, he said, be sober, be vigilant. The word sober means to stay in control, to have some self-control. By the way, that's why they call you drunk whenever you're drinking, because you're no longer sober. In other words, you're not in your right mind. Anybody ever talk to a drunk? They are not in their what? They don't have self-control. So the word there that he uses, he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may what? Devour. He wants to pounce on you. He's looking for every opportunity he can get. (laughs) And when I look at this, God says there's a way out. He said, cleanse your hands. In Isaiah 116, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings before uh, before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Listen, I need to consult with God. I need to be talking to God. I need to be reading God's Word. I need to be around God's people. I need to be reading the Bible and praying and seeking out God on a regular basis. And if you are not saved here today, you need to be saved. Amen? And you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And a window of opportunity begins to open up for you. And when it does, he says, Purify ye hearts in 1 Peter 1.22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, Listen, seeing that you purified your souls, the only purification for the soul is Jesus Christ. You must know him as Savior to purify that soul. He goes on to tell us, stop double-mindedness. In James 1.8, a double-minded man is what? Unstable. In how many ways? In every single thing that you try to do, you are not stable because you're being double-minded. I want to live the way of the world, and I want one foot in the church. But I want to do everything else the world is doing. Unstable. Unstable a person of divided allegiance. God teaches you to be humble or to humble yourselves. Look at verse 10. He said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what shall he do for you? He shall lift you up in verse 10. You must resist the devil. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, draw nigh. Have a spirit of humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, he says... Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Have you ever listened to something like you read that and you're like, okay, wait a minute, how's that going to happen again? Did you ever read it and go, what in the world is that? Brother Mike, do you have a set of clothing over the house that says humility on it? Are you just going to put it on today? He said, be clothed in what? Humility. Now, I want you to think about this. How do you become clothed in Humility. How does one put on that clothing? What is what, what is God even talking about? I don't walk into my closet and go, oh, there's humility right there. I'm going to put that on today. huh?" Ladies, did any of you put your dress of humility on today? Do you know what it is? It is an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart. To be clothed with humility is how I'm acting, isn't it? Being clothed with humility is recognizing and reverence God, reverencing God for who He is and what I am. That's humility, isn't it? A double-minded man says, I know God says this, but I don't really care. A double minded man has a different way of thinking. They have every excuse not to obey the Word of God. <laughs> They have every reason to doubt the Word of God. They have every reason to try to find some discrepancy with the Word of God. They have every reason to justify their behavior outside of the Word of God. And yet a heart of humility says no. <laughs> it's different. Seeing yourself as God sees you. A heart of humility. God requires us to lower ourselves in His sight. Job twenty-two twenty-nine. 29, when men are cast down, then shalt thou say, <laughs> there is a lifting up and... He shall save the humble person. Matthew 23, 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. God says to be humble. Let me tell you, you are not the strong indicator as to what's humble. (laughs) If I were any more humble, just ask me. I am the most humble person. Let's go to lunch. I want to tell you how humble I am. Humility is bored out in our actions, isn't it? People can see it. It's an attitude of the heart, isn't it? It's a spirit that when that attitude prevails, action comes as a result of that, doesn't it? And people can see that in my life. God says to be humble, which is a heart change, a change in spirit. And for a church to come to the place, folks, and I'm asking with you right now, I am praying for this Victory Gospel Crusade. I'm pleading with you as church members, participate. Be a part of it. Do we really want to see a nation change? It's not going to come through the White House. It's not going to come because more Republicans get in the House or the Senate. It's going to come by way of Jesus Christ. God's looking for a people who will humble themselves in the sight of the Lord he's looking for a heart of humility if we want to see revival in this nation if we really want to see people get saved we're going to have to see people submit themselves to God and it starts in a church just like this one it starts with me saying I'm not as important as I think I am (laughs) and God is greater than all On March 7th, Saturday, March 7th, at 3 o'clock, we got two things going on at Salina Baptist Temple. You can participate in both or one or the other. On March 7th, we're asking for folks to come and help us with the choir. And we're asking folks to come and pray with us. I want to see God start a revival in Midwest Ohio. How many of you would like to see that? <laughs> it starts with you. There is a cause for sin, isn't there? It <laughs> started in the Garden of Eden. And even in our own lives, and you would admit it to yourselves, probably, <laughs> that there is a progression to sin in my own life sometimes. It starts at one point and ends at another but there's a cure. You don't have to give in to it. You don't have to give in to sin. And it starts with a humble heart. Now, I want everybody's attention for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus,